after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello there, Internet friends. Welcome to another episode of After These Messages, the podcast where we talk about the best part of television. Of course, I'm talking about the commercials. We talk about the good commercials. We talk about the bad commercials. And we talk about the commercials where people say weird shit like this. When you look at your face in the mirror, are you happy with what you see? I was. Thank you. Hi there. My name is Ian. (laughs) Well, I felt better about myself. That voice that you hear is Genevieve Has. My name is Andrew Walsh. We're your hosts. Hey, Genevieve. How are you doing? Do you like your face? I I don't know. I mean, I'm waiting for television to tell me if I should like my face. More importantly, do you like my face? (laughs) Yes, I like your face. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, Vives, I'm assuming that most people who are listening to this episode have listened to previous episodes of After These Messages. But if not, quick quick backgrounder here. You know, this is a show where we talk about the commercials. We look for trends in TV commercials usually, and we look for different ways advertising companies are kind of building on those trends, and we talk about all different kinds of products, and it's very high-minded what we usually do on this show. Very sophisticated. Very, very sophisticated. Today, we are going to either up that sophistication or flush it all down the toilet with a uh, segment involving cartoon mascots from commercials, your, your Keebler elves, if you will, or your jolly green giants. I don't want to give away too much right now, but that's what we're leading with today uh, because, again, very high-minded, very sophisticated. Also, April Fool's Day, in our rearview mirror, finally, my least favorite day of the year, possibly. Well, I won't list them all. I don't think anybody likes April Fool's Day anymore, right? Like, yeah, we're finally, we've, I, it's peaked. I think it's peaked. I think it's peaked, too. But this year... Got to say, you were doing a little poking around, and it looks like some advertising agencies actually did some pretty clever things for April Fool's Day that are not a turnoff for the products, but actually pretty good advertising. Yeah, there are a few that bear mentioning. We'll get into that. All right, we'll talk about that a little bit. Plus, we're going to check out the Ad Council. That's you guys. Anything in particular you're excited to tell me about from the mailbag today? A lot of good mails, as ever. Um, One that stands out, uh, the gift that keeps on giving, Colonel Harlan Sanders. (laughs) This is going to be like... Could there possibly be more dazzling details? Yes, my friend. The man was apparently composed entirely of dazzling details. (laughs) So we'll get into that. I'll tell you what, I don't know. Have we talked about that more? Or the woman who won't give her father-in-law ham. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe they could have a maybe they could have a battle. Maybe they, yeah, exactly. Speaking of battles, let's get into our very first segment. We're calling it Battle of the Spokes Critters. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right, Vee, do you want to explain what's going on here? Can you explain what's going on here? Well, I think it's going to be fairly obvious. If you've ever seen like one of those shows where they're like, who would win in a fight, a shark or a tiger? It's basically like that, except uh, we got to thinking about cartoon mascots, and we tried to sort of limit it to at least um, cartoon mascots versus human spokespeople. Um, and we tried to make create matchups, um, and then we're going to have a little debate with each other. Not even really debate, because I don't think we picked sides exactly, but we'll just have a discussion about who would win in a fight. And obviously, we welcome um, 
feedback from you, the ad council, if we get any of these wrong. Yeah, if you have input on any of these matchups, definitely send them our way. And I was also thinking, and you'll also kind of get the rhythm as we go through these, but if you have a matchup you'd like to see or a matchup you'd rather see, hit us up. We have a Facebook page after these messages show on Facebook, and our Gmail account is after these messages show at gmail.com. And also, do we have our phone number written down anywhere here? We have 607-444-5597, if you want to leave us a voicemail. Our first matchup, Beeves, who is it? This one, I think it's the top matchup. It was the one that came to mind immediately for both of us. Keebler Elves versus Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Okay, let's start with the Keebler Elves. A lot of the commercials that I've pulled for uh, today's examples harken back to my childhood. Now, there's you know a couple of things to note here. A lot of cartoon mascots are for breakfast cereals. We tried to make it not all breakfast cereal, uh, but you know they're cartoons. And I don't even know if I'm using mascot the right way, but thank you for going along with me on this one. I honestly, like, actually, as I was doing the research for this, research, uh, heavy, heavy I- ironic quotes on that, I guess, but... Um, there's not a good word for what these things are. Yeah. I, sp- I mean, honestly, spokes critter is my own uh, <laughs> little uh, coinage, and I, I can't think of a better one. So for these spokes critters, I want to say I did go back to a lot of the commercials that I saw in my youth in the late 80s and early 90s. Not all of them, but for me, it's just kind of like, it was my point of reference. I sort of feel like, you know what? The boomers were running things for a really long time and like all the references were boomer references. And guess what? We, as the slacker generation, were the ones who are podcasting now, Grandpa. And so we're going to use... Yeah, Grandpa, (laughs) where's your podcast? Yeah, so we're going to use our own outdated references. (laughs) And you young ones can do some Googling of your own. (laughs) figure out what the hell we're talking about. So this first... Well, it was sort of, I feel like our childhood was sort of the heyday of Spokes Critters. We, I feel like... Well, I, you think that because that's when you were watching those commercials, I know, though. but like honestly, the, the high watermark for Spokes Critters was then. You think so? Yeah. I mean, who's left? Chester Cheetah, the Bee. Yeah, but they're all... They all harken... That's yeah. one thing I've learned, that almost all of these harken back to olden times. But the thing is, and even, I mean, well before our time, but the thing is like... Did you and I do a lot of research seeing if there are a bunch of new s- spokes critters? Well, no, but I i mean, I guess I don't watch a lot of like, don't Saturday watch morning cartoons. TV. Like, yeah. we used to watch kids' TV. There may be, hey, parents, let us know. We gave you all of our contact information. Use it. Don't abuse it. Let us know what we're missing. But anyway, let, let's, let's get on board here. Keebler Elves versus Snap, Crackle, and Pop. This first commercial is uh, one from, I think, like the, I'm going to say early 80s, maybe even late 70s, a Keebler Elves ad. And this is one where often what would happen is you have the, the Keebler Elves, and they were in their hollowed-out tree that was the Keebler factory. Often there was some sort of a human knocking on their door and talking to them about their good treats and stuff like this. Yeah, Joe Exposition would knock on their door <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, you don't know what fudge striping is? Let me explain. Right. Now this one I think does not actually have uh, a human in it. This is all elves. This is all elf on elf <laughs> action here. Um, and the main Keebler elf, who I'll tell you more about later, is outside... <laughs> I will, is outside watering his garden, and then a a, a big spray of fudge accidentally shoots out the window and hits him. Ew. Careful with that fudge. Sorry, Ernie. It's the rookie's first time covering cookies. Do I have to use so much fudge? We're elves. We always use lots. Lots of rich, creamy fudge makes our good Keebler cookies taste even more uncommonly good. Keep your eye on a cookie, kid. Making Keebler fudge-covered cookies takes lots of fudge. And lots of practice. 
Fudge They're just getting fudge, fudge all over the place. It is is a, the fart noise really necessary? It's, it's a sexy, farty, Good fudgy Lord. time in that hollowed out tree. Good Lord, Keebler. Um, so I'm trying to think. I want to give you some background on them, but I guess let, let's first go to Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Let's just get the uh, – let's set up the, the challenge here. Snap, Crackle, and Pop, obviously these are the three guys from Rice Krispies. Mm-hmm. Um, been around for a while, going back to, I believe, the, uh, the, the late 60s. Snap, Crackle, and Pop, of course – Onomatopoeia. If you've never had a, a bowl of Rice Krispies, who are you? But uh, Snap, Crackle, and Pop kind of uh, named after the noise the cereal makes when you pour milk on it. In this particular ad from, I think, 1984, you see a newspaper delivery boy throwing down his uh, his sack of newspapers yet to be delivered on the breakfast table. And he's in a hurry, but he's got to eat something quickly because he needs energy before he can go out and deliver the papers. Snap, Crackle, and Pop are there to help him out. Wake up, guys. We got work to do. We do? Well, I've got to get out the morning edition. And we've got to get out the breakfast edition. What's it say? Snap, Crackle, Pop. What else? Snap, it's the snappiest sound to do. You gotta get cracking when Crackle comes through. But there's no stopping once Pop is popping. Snap, Crackle, Pop, talking just to you. Sounds good. Kellogg's Rice Krispies, the talking part of this computer. Okay few things here so i want to get into i want to get into the battle here who would win in a fight like we're talking like real like fight physical fight yeah to the death to the obvi. wow really i thought to the pain <laughs> um, uh, speaking of gen x right so um my gut reaction was to give it to snap crackle and pop that they would win in this fight and I'm not 100% married to that because I've learned more details, but let me give you my argument first. Okay. Snap, Crackle, and Pop have been around for a really long time, I've noticed, and they're of all of the cartoon mascots we're going to be talking about today, they are updated the most. Like, they go back the furthest, back to the 1930s, mm-hmm. if you'll believe it. Um, originally, there was just one, I believe Snap, who didn't have a name then, and then they came up with, like, the other two not long after. Um they went back to the 1930s, but they're still updating it and making them today in in a much in much heavier rotation. So, like rotation. Highlander, they are immortal. They seem immortal to me, <laughs> and they're always youthful. Now, the Keebler elves, you know, the main elf is an older gentleman, and he's working with two younger elves. As right. a matter of fact, that's where he we says get into we've got this. a rookie here, right? And so, I feel but like they seem to be recruiting and swelling their ranks. I mean, if they if they're having if they're having rookies, they they must have some sort of program. That's where things get interesting. Because I thought for <laughs> sure that three on three, these immortal young whippersnappers are always going to be able to take on the Keebler elves. Because you just get rid of the old one first, mm-hmm. and then it's three on two, right? Listen to this. I'm just going to read directly from Wikipedia here. So you have, um, I guess, Ernest or Ernie J. Keebler, and he's one of the best-known elves. I don't know if he's the oldest one or not. You also have J.J. Keebler from Wikipedia saying that he's the blustery original head elf from back in 1969. Oh, and, and Ernie staged a coup at some point. And then Ernie came along and took over. But listen to this. Here's what I'm getting at. Other elves were Friar Tuck, who promoted Munchums, Zoot and JJ, that's where JJ is, Ernie's mother, Ma Keebler, young Elmer Keebler, Bucket, who <laughs> threw fudge on the cookies, Fast Eddie, who wrapped the products. Like, 
fuck, I'm not going up against Fast Eddie. Are oh, you kidding no. me? Yeah. Sam, the peanut butter baker. Roger, the jeweler. Doc, the doctor and cookie maker. Zach, the fudge shop supervisor. Flo, the accountant. <laughs> Why do they who need has an accountant? Her, she's got to name your own cookie tool, I you believe. You know what kids love? <laughs> A cookie accountant. Leonardo, the artist. Elwood, who ran through the dough. Professor... Edison, Larry, and Art. There are way more Keebler elves than anybody knew. This is an army. Yeah. This is a virtual army. And I would also just throw this in there. The Although they appear to be immortal, Snap, Crackle, and Pop are just drawn as like little guys. And elves are, I think, kind of by definition, magic, right? Hmm. Like, yeah, I guess so. Like Snap, Crackle, and Pop, this is actually something that's kind of confusing about them, is that they are in commercials with live-action human children. Yes, they are. And yet, they are not in any way like a different species from the thing, you know, like, in you know, in Space Jam, Bugs Bunny is, is a different cre- kind of creature from right. Michael Jordan. Just that's like the first like movie that came to mind with animation. No, nobody's questioning you. (laughs) Live action, Um, but it's a little. I mean, Roger Rabbit's a little hurt, but okay. It's a little. It's like it's a live action, uh, but I don't. But I don't understand why they are cartoons and the other people are not cartoons. Whereas with the Keebler elves, well, there is no. There are no live action characters in the Keebler elves. Humans are drawn the same way elves are drawn. Yeah, I'm giving it to the elves. I mean that that laundry list is uh, that that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. Fast Eddie? So did I... Is that his name, Fast Eddie? Fa- that's uh, that's one of them. Good Lord. Fast Eddie. He's... Uh, he could take on all three Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Fast Eddie, the con man elf. <laughs> all right. So w- you and I are in agreement. We're giving we're that giving one it, to the keyboard We're giving it to the elves. Okay. Because of the dazzling detail. Okay. The next next matchup, Genevieve? All right. This is uh, a little more current. This is uh, the Honey Nut Cheerios B um, and the Geico Gecko. All right. Now I'm... Excited to talk about this one, kind of for the sheer violent implications of it. Let's, which that's not really it doesn't sound like me talking, but that that's going to come into play here. Uh, let's start by listening to a Honey Nut Cheerios commercial. This is a relatively new one. This is like oh, this is one of those really loud compressed commercials, like so many cartoons these days, where everybody is just kind of screaming and there's sound effects all over the place. To me, I think it's an assault on my ear because we don't have kids, so like I don't have to put up with that that much. And when I hear something like this, I just want to like, I guess. I don't know. Never have kids. Anyway, here's the Honey Nut Cheerios commercial with uh, the Honey Nut Cheerios B. This guy makes the honey for the O's and Honey Nut Cheerios. To make this extraordinary honey, we need extraordinary bees. That's going to be Buzz, the ultimate honey bee. Soaring to the rescue, protecting our hive, honey, and Honey Nut Cheerios. Keeping it a tasty part of a good breakfast. You want honey? God, so much noise. So much noise in that commercial. Am I overreacting to that? Yeah, dramatically. Really? Yeah. Oh, I just hate that sound I, of commercials. Does, I'm not sure what you're hearing that sounds so loud to you. I'm also on a lot of acid okay. right now, so that may be playing into it a little bit. Um, but I don't know if you noticed, he said his name in that commercial. Oh, his, did he? His name is Buzz now. He didn't have a name for the longest time. Then they held some sort of a competition to name the Honey Nut Cheerios bee, like just recently in like 2005 or They had a whole competition to name a bee? Yes! And the best they yes. could come up with was Buzz? That's what I'm getting at, exactly. So according to Wikipedia... What's his last name, Beeman? <laughs> 
in 2000, uh, Christine Tong, a fifth grader from Coolidge, Texas, won a national Christine, contest. Christine, how did you ever think of this? <laughs> she won the contest named the bee, dubbing him Buzzby. And then later on, they just shortened it to Buzz, which actually, another dazzling detail, Buzz, the name Buzz by itself, was the second runner-up. So really, so that technically, kid, that kid won. Really, that kid won because eventually they shortened it. That's the, by the dumbest way, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> do you recognize that voice? Uh, I do now because I uh, I looked, I read ahead in the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I, I'm now that I hear it, of course, it's obvious. It's Billy West, uh, probably best known as Fry from Futurama. Yeah. Now he didn't do the voice like when we were kids. Um, he was probably a kid himself then. But uh, actually, no, he's probably I don't know how old he is, but. Um, yeah, now uh, Billy West does the voice, or it certainly did uh, for a little bit there. So anyway, that's the Honey Nut Cheerios B. Now you want to match him up with the um, Geico Gecko. I went back old school here. This is the very, very first commercial with the Geico Gecko. Um, do you remember who voiced this? I don't, but how old is the first Geico Gecko commercial? Uh, this was from – this thing here says 2000 but i'm pretty sure it was actually 1999 take a look this is the very very first gecko commercial where the gecko comes out gets on a podium and makes a quick announcement this is my final plea i am a gecko not to be confused with geico which could save you hundreds on car insurance so stop calling me geico a 15 minute call could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance according to wikipedia I'm so terrible at this game. That Well, the thing is, as you know, I'm amazing <laughs> at it. According to Wikipedia, that's Kelsey Grammer. Oh. To me, it sounds like somebody doing a Kelsey Grammer. But according to Wikipedia, it's actually Kelsey Grammer. Let's listen again. This is my final plea. I am a gecko. Not to be confused with Geico, which could save you hundreds yeah, on car insurance. Yeah, it's basically Sideshow Bob. So, yeah, it sounds like Sideshow Bob, but it sounds like somebody doing Sideshow Bob. But it's so Bob, weird but... to me to hear that. I'd forgotten that that was the original Gecko voice. It sounds nothing like the I know. current Gecko. It's very different. And who? I'm sure they didn't know that this was going to be a campaign that would go on for almost 20 years, you know? God, so that's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, now it's time to talk about the well, sheer play, violence but, of this well, can matchup. We play the, can we play like a current Gecko? That to me seems like a fake Gecko. That's not the gecko I know. Okay, well, it's just a uh, gecko. That's some other gecko. Wow, you you have some real loyalty to the current gecko. Let's see here. I'm just going to play the first one that pops up on the YouTubes. Is that okay? Sure. Right. But a uh, talking gecko. Why? I'll tell you why. Because people so trust so different. advertising icons. Some bloke tells you to go to geico.com and you're like, I think it's just like a particular London accent. But a gecko, he can be trusted. I ask if you want to save hundreds on car insurance, and you're like, yes, thank you. Mind babysitting my kids? And I'm like, of course I'll sit with the kids. You're like a brother to me. British, British listeners, write in and tell us if that is, in fact, an English accent, and if so, if you can identify the, the type of English accent. And the actor. And where he was born. No, never mind. <laughs> All right, let's get to the violence of this. The Geico Gecko versus the Honey Nut Cheerios Bee, who we now know is named Buzz. Right, okay, I stipulate. I want to stipulate something. I matched these up because although in real life, a, guy, a gecko and a bee are not in scale with each other. Not at all. In the, the, the metric that I used for whether something could be matched up was that the scale that they are in the commercial compared to the human actors, if it's comparable, then then I would then I believe that they can 
they let them fight. I think let them fight. Yes, uh, that would have been good tape to I, roll at the beginning. Of this I thing. completely agree with you on that one. And, so we're talking do, about a bee see, that's about the size of this gecko, right? You do see the you do see the bee. You see Buzz in in live action. I think he has one where he didn't he do one with um, I think who does Happy Happy Her, uh, Pharrell. Is it Pharrell? Yeah. yeah, he did a whole. There's a whole commercial with the bee and Pharrell that's actually pretty cute. Oh, Maybe I'll post that to I the page. I vaguely remember that. Yes. Um, oh, and also just one more thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But before we get into the actual battle here, um, I forgot to tell you a dazzling detail that I wanted to dazzle you with, which is, um, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, the gecko first appeared in 1999 during the Screen Actors Guild strike that prevented the use of live actors. Oh, that's why we have a gecko. Necessity, the mother of geckos. So Kelsey Grammer, a screen actor, was allowed to voice the gecko? According to Wikipedia, which is a, never wrong. He's probably a scab. <laughs> he is. You know what, Kelsey? You're a scab. <laughs> um, you rat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, given all the caveats that you just laid out or, or the, the specificity that you just laid out, I got to give it to the bee. We have two creatures that are the same size now. One can fly and sting yeah. while the other one can just be cocky with an accent. But what do we know about honeybees and their stingers? Ooh, one sting and you're you're gone. Oh, and you so. die. And huh? you die. So it's like it's the really stinging is the nuclear option for bees, I believe. Maybe not all kinds of bees, but I think honeybees. Wow. So so I guess the honey nut Cheerios bee can't use a stinger at all if he's going to win this. Otherwise, it's just going to be it's scorched pir- earth. Pirate victory. So okay, but honey I still nut Cheerios bee, bee buzz is not going to use the stinger, but he can still like buzz around and punch him in the face. Yeah, I mean the Geico gecko just seems to me to. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's got a lot of fight in him. I feel like he would try to talk his way out of it. He's a good talker. He might be able to, like, negotiate his way out of something. But if it comes to a physical fight, I'm giving it to the bee. I am giving it to the bee as well. I did not think that we would be agreeing so much. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to the next matchup. Genevieve? Okay, this one was great. This was a great idea because I I wanted to include the um, the M and M's. Does John Lovett still voice the that talking M and M's? I believe he does. So the talking M and M's. There's like the sort of snarky red one and the and the dumber, bigger yellow one, um, and then occasionally they're like frenemy green lady mm-hmm. one. And also like way back in the day, this is something I I kind of learned or remember today through the re- <laughs> quote unquote research <laughs> was um, this. There was a talking M&M way, way back in the day, like in the 30s or something like that, then went away, never came back until the 80s, and they brought back the talking M&M and some of his buddies, and it was originally a promotion for a new blue M&M. Oh, I do do remember remember that. that? Yeah. And the early commercials had Steven Weber, actor Steven Weber, and I'm going to play one of those, Um, and it was like, they had these talking M&Ms, and Steven Weber was showing- Steven Hutch Rhymes Weber? (laughs) Yes. It's a joke that no one but you and me gets. (laughs) Look up Hutch Rhymes, guys. What is it actually? What's the movie actually? Sleep Easy Hutch Rhymes. Sleep Easy Hutch Rhymes. It is a movie that- I'm telling you, even if you have no travel plans in the future, go to a motel somewhere and just watch Sleep Easy Hutch Rhymes. It is the perfect cheap hotel movie, yes, don't you think? It is. It's it's uh, dumb and, and very entertaining. Who's the woman in it? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Um, Stephen Weber, better known for his uh, portrayal of one of the brothers on Wings. Right. So the so the, the talking M&Ms um, versus – but who to, who to have them fight? I mean, who's comparable in size? Who has a crew? And then, Andrew, you had a brilliant idea. Well, you know that it wasn't hard for me because (laughs) I was a California raisin. (laughs) 
my only claim to fame for the longest time, and maybe even still to this day, was I was a very unpopular kid in uh, grade school. Didn't have a lot of wins in the like in any kind of category. I wasn't great at school. I wasn't the worst at school. I wasn't artistic. I just didn't. You know, the kids didn't really like me. The teachers didn't really like me that much. But the, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> send your letters uh, to our PO box. Yeah. Right. Um, but the one kind of. Well, I guess there were two things where I really kind of stood out, and I was very proud of my performance. One was when I got to play Santa number three in the um, in the Christmas play, and I think that was, I want to say, sixth grade. And I think it was the same year. Um, I got a couple of friends to do a California Raisins dance with me. For the young ones who are listening... Um, the California Raisins were a marketing campaign that was started in the 80s. And actually, here's another little detail. Uh, apparently, they had tried a bunch of things to get people to buy more raisins, specifically California Raisins, and nothing was really working. And according to legend, because um, it sounds so apocryphal to me, one of the advertising people said something like, well, we've done everything except for have singing raisins do herd it through the grapevine. And supposedly that's where they got the idea. Oh, I hope that's true. So there was a bunch of uh, ads that it was like a cultural phenomenon when I was a child. It, looking back on it, and if you're too young to remember this, you wouldn't believe it. It, it was like... The craze that swept the nation. And it was for raisins. And it was for raisins. And they were claymation, animated claymation raisins. And, I mean, America could not get enough. I had little uh, California we raisin toys. We all did. Toys. Everyone did. I had the one with the red sunglasses. And so for my school thing, um, I lip-synced, heard it through the grapevine. I wore a garbage bag that my head popped out of, but then I had the classic white gloves and the and the sneakers like the California raisins wore. And then I had two kids who were way more popular than me being my backup dancers, but they had the garbage bags covering their heads. We they didn't have to lip-sync. super safe. Yeah, it was. It was the 80s, yeah. <laughs> and we filled the bags with glass, and then we rolled them down the hill. Now, and my sister um, choreographed a whole, like, little set for them to dance behind me, and I was just kind of out front, like, lip-syncing, and I'll never forget. Sorry too much detail. I don't care. Uh the the version of Heard It Through the Grapevine that I lip synced to still had the call letters of the radio station at the very beginning of it. I just taped it off the radio. That was the only place where I had a copy of Heard It Through the Grapevine because that's how we got songs back then. And uh, anyway, so uh, let's. There's not a huge reason to play the video of the California Raisins Heard It Through the Grapevine, but I'm, it's I'm just the play song one. Heard It Through the Grapevine. But let's listen to let's it. Let's listen to it. In this particular one, I'm going to play. There are three humans, but they are claymation humans, and they're construction workers, and they're sitting on you know high up on an I beam somewhere, and they're all opening their lunches, and then the guy in the middle, as he opens up his lunchbox, he heart, he starts to hear some singing. And all of a sudden he realizes he's got California raisins in his lunchbox and they do a whole number on a stage that's really a sandwich. It's pretty awesome, right? It's pretty awesome, but point of order, why does a man just have raisins on his sandwich? That's like a gross... Meal choice. Sounds better than what I got. 
I don't think that the the raisins were part of the sandwich. I think that a whole thing was happening in his lunchbox where the food was coming to life. I mean, I think the banana turned into a palm tree, and there was just a lot of stuff going on. And so the raisins hopped on the sandwich and used the white bread as a stage. Did he then eat all of his food after? I mean, that's a weird scenario. Your food just sings you a song, and then you're like, chomp. Um, boy, that is dark. Okay, in this matchup, I give it to the construction workers. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to beat the raisins. Okay, I'm going to play. Oh, there was a Ray Charles one. While we're just oh my god, this. the celebrities they got for this that was really Michael Jackson and one of them. Yes, right? I'm going to play the Michael Jackson one here in a second. Here's the Ray Charles one. It's a claymation Ray Charles behind a piano. Great, Ray. That's a wrap. Huh? The Lady Backup Raisin Singers. You think Lady Raisins are Raisinettes? (laughs) Let's just keep rolling. One more. Here's the Michael Jackson one. This one is amazing. It really is. So there's this raisin that's like all sort of Michael Jacksoned up. And it's now it's doing Michael Jackson dancing. I mean, on the biggest stage you can imagine. The crowd is filled with bananas and strawberries and other fruit. This is before Michael Jackson's legacy was complicated. Show me on the raisin. <laughs> Uh, one of the strawberries just passed out because she just couldn't get enough. Oh, I love that commercial. Okay, now a claymation Michael Jackson wakes up from a, his dream and says it must have been something that he ate. But there's a bowl of fruit behind his head, and you can see that some firecrackers are still going off behind that bowl of fruit. I, that is a great ad it's a great ad the, all of them were great i mean there's you know it, it's for how crazy things got with the raisins it might seem a little weird but they were a, it was a very clever campaign yeah I, you know i'm sure it, i'm sure it worked like gangbusters what do you mean things got weird with the raisins i mean it, i just think like america did get like sort of they went we went down like a real rabbit hole with the raisins but yeah, i just told we had, you that we had our, our elementary school students dancing around in garbage bags i mean right was, yeah what's we weird strange, about that i it was told a strange you. time it was a very normal thing totally for, normal. for an 11 or 12 year old boy to do i mean a lot there were a lot of uh, garbage bag related asphyxiation deaths <laughs> that, that i think we can lay at the raisins feet <laughs> okay this could be the longest show in history i'm sorry i'm having a, i'm so excited about this episode i'm sorry i can't I'll, shut I'll up i'll go through the right, April right, Fool stuff quickly yeah um i also stopped doing research once we get to like halfway point on this list okay. so we'll just roll through them um, here, I'm going to play the M&M's ad. This is one of those early uh, talking M&M's ads. This one is from 1996. The sound quality is not very good. It's with Steven Weber, but who we were just talking about before. But you see our issues with this ad campaign were there from the start. We'll talk about that in a second. Whoa! Uh, look who we have here. Just your friendly neighborhood M&M's. Get on! The same M&M's that come in the bag? Same ones. Only bigger. With a colorful shell, just like this. The actor's catching on. Rich milk chocolate on the inside? Yes! Oh, then I'm really glad you came by. Why is that? Because I'm all out. 
So now Steven Weber is talking to these animated M&Ms, one peanut, one normal, that are about the size in this commercial. These talking M&Ms are about the size of... A large dog. A large dog. He's out of M&M's and now he's going to eat one of these guys he's just been talking to for 15 seconds. How's it going to work? Logistically, how's it going to work? And also, I mean, it's it's brutal. Yeah. And we're still, we're still dealing with that like 20 years later in 2016. Like we still have human beings developing friendships with these M&M's so that they eventually can eat them. Yeah. But they keep, they must keep getting out of a jam because they're they're still around. But all right, let's get back to our original question. Raisins versus M&M's. Who do, you, who do you give the edge to? That's the only part of this I had really considered. <laughs> I was also distracted. I totally forgot. There was a YouTube is telling me that there's a California Raisins cartoon show. That's I totally right, forgot was, about yeah. that. It was a phenomenon. It was such a phenomenon. I had a, a California Raisins hat, like a painter's cap mm-hmm. with a bunch of California Raisins on it. And then I bought a bunch of California Raisins buttons and I, I put them all really, around the hat. You really tried to ride that wave. And then I didn't try to ride that wave. I rode that wave right to... Um, not kissing girls town. Um, all right. So who who wins in a fight between the M&M's and the California Raisins? I'm just going to say the M&M's seem – physically they seem a little bit bigger, but they also seem like sniveling, little whiny they're, – they're just not tough. The California raisins are smooth, and there's more of them, and they're like they seem like they could kind of turn into a kind of a rough jazz band, like nineteen, like bop, like <laughs> and 1950s. nothing is scarier than a rough jazz band. <laughs> I mean, you can see, there, I mean, jazz cigarettes. <laughs> some of these, I'm sure that some of these raisins are probably on the junk. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm sure that like these guys, these guys are probably a you're little really street. filling in. You're really coloring in a lot of details here. I don't know much about the jazz scene of the 1950s and 60s. I tend to agree with you. I think that the raisins are probably the you know the if I were a, if I were giving odds, I'd probably give odds on the on the raisins. The only thing that makes me think maybe the M and M's could pull it out is that they have seemed to year after year they they've gotten out of whatever jams they're in. Like everybody keeps threatening to eat them, and they keep escaping. So they must have some tricks up their sleeve. That is true. Whereas when's the last time you saw a California raisin? You know. Talk about survival. Yeah, yeah. Survival of the fittest. So I'm st- I'm sticking with the Raisins win because they're a big collective of rough around the edges, tough jazz men. All right. Well, for the sake of um, variety, I'll uh, I'll go M&M's. Okay. Sounds good. That means the listeners have to weigh in on that one. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, for this one, Genevieve? Chester Cheetah versus Joe Camel. <laughs> that, was, that was my imitation of Joe Camel. <laughs> I mean, the camel does he smokes. Does he? Does he? Does he? Oh, smoke? are you kidding me? Oh my God, he was such. A, yeah, that was the whole thing. He had his oh, sunglasses on, right. leather jacket, sunglasses slipping it's, down his big camel nose. Cigarette it's been just so dangling. long since I've seen a a, a cigarette a tobacco advertisement yeah. that honestly I've kind of forgotten what they were like. Well, this one is a little bit uh, tough audio-wise because uh, Joe Camel didn't come around until like the 1980s. Now, apparently, back in the I want to say. 
40s or 50s, somebody came up with some, uh, it wasn't called Joe Camel, it was like Cool Joe or something like that in France. It was just like a limited marketing campaign. And then in the 80s, like somebody kind of remembered that. I just love thinking that. of like French smokers like, oh, I like smoking. <laughs> I like to be like Cool Joe. I like to be like Cool Joe. Um, and then in the 80s, they were just like, oh yeah, I think I remember seeing something in France. That was a good, good idea. And then they brought him back. But you were not allowed to advertise cigarettes on TV by the time Joe Camel came along. So he was mostly... They were on, cheating a little bit. Well, they, he was on billboards. Yeah. He was in magazines like crazy, but you know he was that never his, on TV. This is a dazzling detail if you didn't already know it. Um, if you take a look at Joe Camel, uh, his, his face is clearly meant to evoke genitalia. Male genitalia. Well, it always kind of had some sort of a, yeah, weird vibe about it. And also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember my cousin telling me back in probably 1990, I remember my, my cousin Mike told me that, um, or maybe it was Frank, I don't know, told me that Camel cigarettes were on the forefront of subliminal advertising. And there was an urban legend that in some packs of Camel cigarettes or some version of them, if you look closely at the Camel's thigh muscles, you would see a, uh, a like a man kind of sitting in a posture like he was sitting on a toilet because cigarettes were like kind of had laxative like qualities mm -hmm. and so that they were trying to get that across a little bit i don't know if that's true or not i hope it's true it wouldn't actually shock me that much but it also wouldn't shock me to find out that's totally apocryphal <laughs> right, but exactly. i think if you look at the face it to me is unmistakably meant to evoke the phallus well, just to keep things fun, even though I don't have an actual Joe Camel commercial, I did find a old commercial from 1950, and you know, you already in your head probably know exactly what this sort of sounds like, but I can't not play it. How mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel 30-day test, and you'll see. So mild, so mild, so mild that you're bound to agree. That camel suits you to a T, to a T. Smoke camel to tea. Now get this. You know, each week, the makers of camels send free cigarettes to hospitalized servicemen and veterans. This week's gift camels go to Veterans Hospitals, Boise, Idaho, and Topeka, Kansas. Smoke up, Johnny, as you lay in your hospital bed. Smoke up, G.I. Joe. Oh, man. Anyway, I just love, I love that audio. So that's for Camel Cigarettes. And, of course, Chester Cheetah. Um, I think I had some dazzling details about uh, Chester Cheetah. Oh, I, first of all, I like the way he's described in Wikipedia. This is, of course, for um, Cheetos chips or snack chips or whatever. Throughout the 80s and 90s, TV ads consistently featured a theme where Chester Cheetah desperately attempts to eat other people's Cheetos. The self-described hip kitty was often seen sneaking up on an unsuspecting stranger at a beach or public park. The result would always involve cartoon violence. I just love like that. I, whoever wrote that should take over the hosting of but this so show. But so originally Chester Cheetah was basically the tricks rabbit. Yeah, good point. I think he's evolved a lot. His current incarnation, he's. I, I actually really love the narrative of the cheetah of the Chester Cheetah Cheetos commercials right now. Uh, what is? Oh, what is the narrative? That's right. It involves humans, like yeah. real. Like, so now, act, live now typically, 
now typically with Chester Cheetah, he's in league with uh, usually the kids and sometimes the dad of the family. And right. they are going around using Cheetos to accomplish some some goal. Like there's one where they go to a hotel and they use these Cheetos to bribe the hotel um, concierge to let them have their float toys in the pool. Or they like shoot them at like the the teenage sister uh, using like little blow guns and things right. in the house. And it's like Ch- Ch- Chester is almost like the, he's like a cat in the hat figure for like some members of the family. Right, right. No, I do like that campaign. Um, I do want to uh, read the, the, the video I'm going to play. And maybe we should play one of those more current ones. I was going to play the one I remember very distinctly from my youth. It was high, high rotation. And it fit that early model of the 80s and 90s, kind of like you say, tricks rabbit. I did want to share this with you again, reading from Wikipedia. In 1992, Chester's own television program called Yo, It's the Chester Cheetah Show was under development for Fox Kids Saturday morning fall lineup. However, an ethics debate erupted over Chester's status as an advertising character and likely due to the protest of action for children's television. The show was prevented from airing. The petition marked the first time that the organization protested something before it actually became a program. I mean, that's interesting because I guess like by, you know, the early 90s, they started looking at this crossover between entertainment and selling a product, whereas in our youth and certainly before that, that was the whole point of commercials. I mean, the whole point of having a G.I. Joe cartoon that we all loved was so that we would buy the toys. But as a kid, I just thought, oh, these are the toys from that cartoon I love. You know, that's the whole point. Cereal was that way. Um, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, going back to the 30s, they had, I was watching these videos today, like these two or three minute little shorts. Did they have actual programming? They had shorts that would play Uh, before movies, I think. Yeah. Um, They had... um, this is a little different, but they had educational stuff that they would play in uh, in classrooms. I mean, like there was so much like Mar- we think now about like oh, Coke wants to sponsor some high school event or Coke has a vending machine in high schools. Like back in the '30s and '40s, like there was a, so much brainwashing of children by by products. Well, this wasn't seen as a problem. Yeah, you know, look at me, I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> that was a lot of talking. Chester Cheetah versus Joe Camel. Um, who wins? Well, we're gonna play any Chester. Mono, mono. Oh yeah, sorry. Here's the uh, Chester the Cheetah uh, '80s commercial from my heyday. Yes, my heyday was when I was ten. Cheetos brand cheese flavored snacks presents Chester Cheetah. I'm a righteous kitty in the hot. Oh yeah, I remember this one. Till I see those Cheetos, <laughs> then I get loopholes in my scruples. That is a great line. Yeah. Then I get loopholes in my scruples. That's a good, it's a good line. It is a good line. So this Cheshire Cheetah is like uh, running around a park. He sees some uh, young woman, human eating Cheetos and he wants to get his hands on those, get his paws on those. Then I get loopholes in my scruples for the cheese that goes. Uh, foiled. Huh. He is foiled. It's not easy being cheesy. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that commercial so well. It does make me want to eat those cheese balls. Really? I don't really like that food very much. Anyway. All right. So want to talk about the battle? Yes. I think this is a really interesting one because I think this one is uh, very competitive. Joe Camel, cool guy. Obviously, a murderer of millions of people. <laughs> he's already got so much blood on his hands. Yeah, so he's got a lot of blood on his hooves. And um, but at the same time, Chester Cheetah, you know, a formidable opponent. 
I'd like to point out something else here that I'm just realizing. And I, I would argue too, like the Cheetah, yeah. the Chester of today is more formidable than the Chester of the 80s. Because now the Chester Cheetah emerges victorious. Yeah. Old Chester usually, Good point. you know, got smashed in the face with a cartoon garbage lid. And he also used to be so much more of a hepcat, which is something I'm thinking about now. Like He's still a hepcat. The California Raisins... This jazz sort of thing going on. Chester Cheetah, like Hepcat jazz man with the sunglasses on. And even to a degree, Joe Camel. I may be stretching it there a little bit. But certainly, I mean, couldn't you see, like, the California Raisins, like, bringing Chester Cheetah on for a set or something like that? Just, like, one song during their set? Yeah, I mean, maybe he would be, like... He would scat a lot. He would scat, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that commercial we just heard was kind of like scatting. <laughs> there are loopholes in my scruples. Or maybe like beat poetry, rather. But, uh, okay, so you haven't really landed on one. Well, I'm going to... I think that I have to give it to Joe Camel just because I think he is, you know, again, he's murdered many thousands of people. Yeah, and you know what? Like, Chester Cheetah, like, yeah, he's a cheetah, which is kind of, a you know, a, a predator, but... Like, Chester Cheetah would be, like, goofing around and, like, working on his rhymes and doing that. And you know what Joe Camel would do? He would come tiptoeing in in the middle of the night, two in the back of the head. Right. Like, that's how Joe Camel would do it. Although you do raise an interesting point that when we're talking about a cheetah versus a camel, one is prey and one is a predator. Right. I mean, in, in nature, a cheetah would kill a camel. But Joe Camel would just do anything. He has big tobacco on his side. That's right. He would just be like, even if he couldn't like sneak in and just kill Chester Cheat in his sleep, which is probably how he would do it, or have one of his people do it. Um, let's say it was a situation where you actually had to put them both in a cage, which really makes you question: What are we doing here? Yeah. Why are we putting? Why are we setting these guys up? It's so violent. But even in that case, I just feel like Joe Camel would have some sort of trick up his sleeve that was you know cooked up yeah. by the boys upstairs. And they would just take care of Chester Cheetah. Now I'm so sad for Chester oh. Cheetah. All right, let's move on. I'm just starting to get to know him. What's up next? Kool-Aid Man versus the Jolly Green Giant. Ah, uh, we're we're going back a ways. I haven't seen either one of these guys in a long time, unless that just has something to do with the programming that I've been watching. I don't think we're, we're seeing a lot of Jolly Green Giant um, narrative, but I think he's still... Does the ho 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 green giant? Okay. Oh yeah. At the end is kind yeah. of a little jingle stinger. Um, Kool Aid Man. Hard to describe if you've never seen him before. Basically, just a giant picture of Kool Aid. Famously crashes through walls, and he just always is crashing through brick walls. Yes. Now this commercial that I pulled is from I think the late seventies, and it's entitled Bank Robbers. And it's like this is the, wow. It's this is he, it's that old. Yeah, actually, I looked 70s. it up. I think it went back even further than that, as a matter of fact. And, but I think it kind of got its renaissance in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, it. Why am I talking about him like an it? He had his renaissance later. I think um, it's debatable. But this is like one of those weird kids commercials from the from the late seventies that don't make a lot of sense. It's like so. This is the era of the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew mysteries, right? Like so. To set this up for you, it's like a kind of a dark alleyway, and two kids who are about ten years old, a boy and a girl, come out of some uh, doorway holding a uh, an old fashioned looking. Um, flashlight and along with them is a full adult police officer who's kind of dressed 
dressed like a Bobby. And the kids are kind of like, we love chasing bank robbers, but sometimes we need help. And then all of a sudden, like a 1940s car comes up and there's a bunch of bank robbers that are getting away from these kids. If None could, of this makes sense. You couldn't find a more archetypal Kool-Aid man commercial than this? I'm telling you, I was digging through and this is like, this was what they're all like. And then uh, basically they're trying to get these bank robbers and then suddenly the Kool-Aid man comes crashing through the wall to help out. the ones out? where like, Cool. Kids are sitting around a kitchen table and they don't like their juice or whatever, and the Kool Aid Man comes in. I don't know. Let's see if we. Well, let's play this one first, and let's see if we can play a, play one of those. Chasing bank robbers makes me hot and thirsty. Let's get a drink. <laughs> the kids acting is so terrible. so bananas and random. <laughs> I know it's hard for me to describe it, but I'm telling you, now that you've seen it, I actually did describe what's happening. It's just inexplicable. Yeah, there's just like no logic to it, but we'll post at it at all. The but we'll page. post it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good one. Let's take one second here. Uh, cool Aid Man commercial. Let's see if we can find a better one. But that was like one of the the first ones that popped up for me. Like you have some new wave ones that are coming back here. How about this? looks like it's the closest to what you're describing, but clicking through some of these, it looks like they're all like, there's some kind of adventure going on in all of these. And then the Kool-Aid man bursts through a wall to come save the day. And it's unclear exactly what he's saving. And this one, though, again, you have a boy and a girl, presumably brother and sister. And it looks like maybe they're they're outside somewhere by the fence. I get hot and thirsty right on a skateboard. Me too. This is a job for Kool-Aid. Hey, Kool-Aid! Oh my god, that's so good. Okay, the audio is not very good, but basically these two kids were skateboarding, and they say, skateboarding sure makes me thirsty, and then the other one yells, hey, Mr. Kool-Aid Man, and then Kool-Aid Man comes out and I guess pours some of his own life juices into their glass (laughs) (laughs) so that they can quench their thirst. All right, now let's take a look at Jolly Green Giant. All right, this is one from the 1960s. I couldn't find uh, any, like, kind of 80s or 90s versions that really made any sense. Green Giant. Every year at the Valley Fair, they judge Green Giant Niblet's corn against all comers, and Niblet's corn always wins the Green Ribbon. The judge explains an ordinary can of corn has lots of water. To keep his Niblet's corn crisper, the giant gives you just as much corn, but almost no water. Then it's vacuum packed. Niblet's brand corn is the giant's own special I feel kind. Like Don Draper Grown made this commercial. Yeah. For the crispest, it's freshest tasting corn, try Green Giant Niblet's corn. The giant's green beans win first prize too. They're crisp young beans sliced at an angle for more fresh bean flavor. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I wanted you to hear that. They're cut at an angle for more fresh bean flavor. That is so Don Draper. That is not Ours a real are thing. Cut at an angle. So okay, let's get to the violence though. Kool Aid Man versus the Jolly Green Giant. Okay. Obviously, the giant has got one huge thing in his favor, which is called he's a giant. Right. Giantism. He's got giantism, which is tragic, but also an advantage in a fight. Kool-Aid Man is, I guess, smaller. He's sort of human size, although he's quite a bit bigger than a regular human. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to give it to Kool-Aid Man. What? Yes. Crazy. Because 
he his whole life is about violence. All he does he is, is crash through you walls. Right. I mean, the yeah. man is an unstoppable jug. I'm sorry, the Kool Aid Man is an unstoppable juggernaut. Juggernaut. <laughs> oh, you're done. Out. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you think like he's that I, is an amazing I'm, I'm taking, point. I'm taking the Kool Aid. That I'm, is I'm an taking... amazing point. You've given me a lot to think about because to me, I'm like, okay, the Jolly Green Giant. I agree, he's actually pretty much, I think, a gentle giant. I don't think he yeah, wants exactly. to fight anybody. I mean, did you see him turn that little? He reached down yeah, in that commercial very we, just, gentle. we just listened to, and he like gently spun the carousel with his yeah, finger. Yeah, he's that, incredibly... The Jolly Green Giant couldn't hurt a fly, but if you force him to, we're then that's what we're doing here. We're building enormous cages that can hold the Jolly Green Giant and uh, the Kool-Aid Man, and they have to battle it out. And I just sort of think that, like, if you get his dander up, then the Jolly Green Giant, all he has to do is, like, take a... just He's just going to kick the Kool-Aid Man, and he's just going to shatter, right? I mean, he's made of glass. He's literally made of glass. If he's made of glass, how is he crashing through brick walls on the reg? That's a good point. Well, walls weren't built the way they are now back in the... I'm 80s. telling you, you don't want the Kool-Aid man coming after wow. you. Wow. I think... You're, you're standing by giant? No, I think you've convinced me. Yay. I think you've convinced me. Congratulations. All right. Listen, we are we are going super long here. We have a whole bunch more. Should we... Let's maybe revisit this. Like, we have... We're... We're like halfway through our list right now. <laughs> yeah. And let's just like leave it there. <laughs> okay. And, um, and part get, uh, one. <laughs> part one. Continued. Yeah. Like, because this was tons of fun. I think we should do it again. And I actually did learn a lot about the campaign. So it wasn't as frivolous as I thought it was yes. going to be. Um, it was edutainment. It was edutainment. So for now, then, let's move on to our April Fool's Day segment, which amazingly and somewhat inexplicably begins with this. I've been in the kitchen, whipping, whipping. I've been chefing, mixing with my left hand. Water whipping and I'm stirring. Y'all want beef and I'm a serving. Water whipping and I'm stirring. Y'all want beef and I'm a serving. I stir it, I stir it, I stir it, I stir it. I hit the pop of this bachelor. I mix it, I mix it. What is this amazing thing I'm listening to? This is the craziest thing to me. So, Hamburger Helper, uh, the perennial you know dinner food stuff uh is released on april fool's day a five track rap album called watch the stove like watch the throne like watch the throne um and that track that you were that we're listening to is called feed the streets it's um i don't recognize anybody that's involved in it um we've got somebody named dick dick hexatron x thousand Bobby Raps and DJ Tube. <laughs> um, I'm reading that phonetically. It's actually kind of great. Like this is an amazing song. This, this song is, is like, pretty good. There, it's a, of the five tracks. I would say two are pretty listenable. Can I just swell it just a little bit? I cannot get enough of this. Dripping down, I got cheese on it. Yeah. Let me make sure that we straight. I just serving up a plate. Let me make sure that we eat. Let me stay with that heat. Only one beef with the lean in it. I added the different ingredients. This is seriously good. <laughs> now, I heard you playing some of the other ones as well. They're not all as good as that track was. No. Um, there was one other one that... In Love with the Glove. In Love with the Glove, because, of course, Hamburger Helpers. Hey, speaking of animated mascots. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, we have to put this one in our next roundup, our next cage match of yeah. animated Right in with who, who it should be, who it should fight. Yeah. So let's take a listen to this one. This is called 
in love with the glove. I got to say that feed the streets. It didn't sound exactly like it, but it, because of the content, it reminded me very much of uh, I'm in love with the cocoa. Yeah, I'm in love with the cocoa because it's all about him like cooking up drugs in his kitchen. Um, so let's take a listen to In Love with the Glove, produced by At It's Dandy. Oh, that's right. This is the slow jammy one. instructions they gave these artists they were they just like just we want to like a certain like go for a kind of a particular kind of hip-hop song and all you have to do it just has to have something to do with hamburger helper my favorite part of this uh soundcloud page which again we will link to um the description for the helper soundcloud page is doesn't have to be fancy to be good mission feed the internet Trolling lame dinner since 1971. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess my only question is why even do this on April Fool's Day? Because it's not a, it, I mean, yeah, it's a joke. It's a great marketing thing. But it's not thing, a prank. But it's not a prank. And yeah. I, actually, I feel like you should have done this. In a time when everybody else wasn't already doing fun internet things, do this in the middle of the year when there's a drought of things for a drought of things for people to talk about on I don't know talk radio shows. Absolutely, and what have I, you? I totally agree. I, I love everything about this ploy or this stunt, except that doing it on April Fool's Day because you're right, it's not something that is uh, uniquely linked to April Fools. It's just it's a funny it's a funny idea, but it's not a joke or right. a, or a trick. Um, so I do think that they would have been better served by finding another thing to peg it to, you know, like, like the, I don't know, like the Grammys, the Grammys, exactly. the Grammys would have been cool. Yeah. Do that, do it then. So, but I, I they, they did get a lot of press for it. It certainly, um, they, it's been almost, ex, almost, um, uh, un, unequivocally positive, almost uniformly positive, uh, reviews on Twitter and people liking it. Uh, I think it's a great idea. And honestly, it, it did kind of put hamburger helper which i've never eaten i'm i think it's like pastas or it's just like something to sort of like build out your hamburger right yeah i don't know it's like if to it's, make your hamburger meat last a little yeah longer. is it noodles that you put in your hamburger or is it hamburger that you put in your noodles i don't know i think it's the former but anyway it's you know it's not a food obviously it's not a food stuff that i've ever even eaten i'm not very familiar with it but i'm really impressed with the way this uh cast it in a slightly different light a slightly new light um, so I think it was it was really well executed and effective. If I was a company and I had like some sort of, you know, creatives on retainer or whatever, and I go into a meeting and they're like, our idea is to make rap songs about the product. I would say, get the hell get out the of hell there. Out. Like, I don't, I didn't even hear that. Yeah. Like, let's start this over because like, it's always done. I mean, it goes back to me. It goes back to my name is Fred Flintstone and I'm here to say. <laughs> I love Pretty <laughs> Pebbles in a major way. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just like hip hop in the commercial sphere like this is always just so bad it's and so such clunky. A, it's such a fail factory and this normally. this is a, a fail factory. And this one is just like, it's really tonally pretty. I mean, some of the, we played you the best two songs yeah. out of five, but still, that first one, if you just put that on like Hot 92 and I was just driving around, for some reason I'm living in New York in this case, and I heard it, 
I wouldn't even be paying attention to the lyrics. I'd be like, ooh, this is cool. And maybe I'd even assume they are just talking about cooking drugs. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, mean, no, it is a theme in a lot of in a it, lot of hip hop. It's there. They, they did such a good job with it, and I do think that they just sort of turned these over to some artists and said, "Go nuts!" Um, rather than it, you know, this doesn't have the feel to me of like an ad guy sitting down to try to write a rap. Right, right. No, it's it's really good. Okay, uh, you were on the couch yesterday laughing your ass off at this next one. I haven't even watched it yet. I only heard little bits of it while you were playing it. Do you want to introduce it, or should we just let it explain itself? I'll give this a little bit of a setup. Um, this is from Netflix, and it is an April Fool's joke and in, in the sense that it's uh, a thing that they are pretending to do that they're not really going to be doing. Um and it's for a documentary about John Stamos. And uh, why, don't, why don't you let it play? It's, it's a little long. It's a couple minutes, but it's pretty funny all the way through. Hi, I'm John Stamos. I guess it was the fall of 2015 when things looked to be going a little south for those guys at Netflix. My friend, fellow Greek-American Ted Sarandos, the head of content there, he came to me and he said, he said, John, he said, you, my friend, you've built more than a life for yourself. You've built a brand. He said, please let us use your beloved brand to take Netflix to that next level. Oh, it's shot like in this over serious way. He's sitting in like a director's chair. They're switching from like uh, just kind of, you know, color film to like black and white when he's saying something very serious. They're nailing the genre. The tone of this is perfect. And he's doing a really good job of taking himself way too seriously. It's wonderful. You know, that next place. As part of that, he said, we want you to play the role of a lifetime. We want John Stamos to play John Stamos. So, you know, naturally I was flattered and I said, hey, you guys, you have my attention. I want to hear what you've got. <laughs> Netflix and I have partnered up to, uh, to give you something so very He's so full special. of himself. The production is underway. He's doing a lot of like that, that double finger pointy thing yeah. to emphasize his sentences. Without any further ado, I, I invite you to sit back, relax, take a sneak peek at what we've got in store for you. This is now a sort of trailer for this Stamos documentary. What is John Stamos? Good question. Teenage heartthrob? Well, worldwide brand. From the mind of John Stamos. What is a star? A bad boy? A good guy? Comes the life of John, John Stamos. Stamos is more than just a human being. John Stamos <laughs> is a human being. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's called, Stamos, colon, a human, comma, being. Lights. Camera. Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love wonderful. this on so many levels i it's a it's a funny joke it's a you know it makes it totally sends up like the whole netflix original you know documentary um and it sends up stamos and he obviously is totally in on the joke but the real thing about it that i think is so great and the reason he was the perfect person to cast in this is that he you know actually it's very true like if there is anyone who has managed to sort of keep himself relevant by making himself a brand it's john stamos i mean those greek yogurt commercials that he did oh yeah you wouldn't think like that that would be 
like, uh, you know, pumping lifeblood into your career. But he really found his niche as like this aging hottie guy. Yeah. And he's he is riding that train to, I guess, money town. The guy who everybody's mom says over a glass of white wine. Oh, yeah. That John yes. Stamos. And that he capitalizes specifically on that exact yeah. sort of, you know, image and, and narrative. So I, and I love it. I mean, you know, he's... He's not Daniel Day-Lewis, but, like, he's not trying to be. Right. Okay. Uh, one more here for... More. What is this for? Angel City Brewery? Yeah, I like this one. This was another kind of, like, you know, it's April Fool's-y in the sense that it's, like, a fake thing that they aren't really doing. Why don't you give it a play? We are always inspired by the neighborhood around us. Diversity is infused not only into our culture, but into our beer itself. And we're seeing a bunch of these brewers who just look like you're perfect Port- portland portland brewers brewers uh just kind of talking to the camera as they brew their holding their hops in their gently hands. in their cupped hands cradling it it's what inspires concoctions like our french dip beer our mexican cola beer and sriracha lata when we made our sake ale we delved deep into what makes a great rice wine but i thought why stop at sake which is why i'm proud to announce our latest creation the ramen lager, infused with rich pork chashu, aged on scallions, pickled ginger, and sesame seeds, this beer is prepared exactly like a traditional tonkatsu ramen, except it's a beer. Sure, there were some challenges. We didn't get into this business because it was easy. They're showing one of the uh, beer taps and it's all clogged up because noodles are just clogging it. <laughs> We did it because we wanted Ew. to push the limits of what a beverage beer with ramen So grab some chopsticks and a couple ramen lager. We'll have you screaming, Epiri food. <laughs> Good job. Angel City, I'm trying to think. I, I think I have heard of them. They're one of the bigger microbreweries, right? Yeah, I think so. I, there rings a vague bell. I don't know that I don't I couldn't tell you one of the beers that they brew, but um I good on you. Good good on you on all of them, yeah. All right, let's check in with the Ad Council. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind. I'm just going to get to the point where eventually I don't even play it. I just sing that music. We're all eagerly anticipating that day. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. What's in the mailbag? Um, a couple things that I wanted to to touch on. Uh, we've got one from listener Britt, and this is actually uh, kind of a good segue from our April Fools to uh, to our ad council. This was a this was a quilted northern, the toilet paper makers uh, uh, stab at an April Fool's joke. I thought it was pretty funny, and I appreciate Britt uh, sending it in. Authentic, bespoke, raw, artisanally crafted toilet paper, hand pulped and hand perforated, the way toilet paper used to be. <laughs> it's pretty Come unappealing. As we roll back 100 years of innovation. Introducing Quilted Northern Rustic Weave. Craft you can feel in every square. <laughs> it's like it's all, all, this, all the squares are like, have like little seeds and bits of bark memorable. in them. Yeah, it looks like raw, raw paper. So, New I just, Quilted Northern Rustic Weave. I thought that was pretty also funny. Yeah, it's a pretty good ad. Thank you, Britt, for sending that yeah, one in. Yeah, so thanks for sending that one. All right, what else do we have in the uh, old mailbag? Um, this one is something that um, listener Jeremy uh, posted to the Facebook page, and he wrote, help, I can't tell if this is awesome or ridiculous. Well, let me put you out of your misery, Jeremy. It is awesome. 
Um, this is an ad for Carlton Draft, uh, another beer, actually. Um, and I'm going to have you play it, Andrew, but you really need to see the visuals to get the full experience. So I'll, I'll kind of describe it, but the, the sound's kind of good, too. Uh- So you've got hundreds and hundreds of people dressed in, like, choir robes of different colors, red, yellow, white, and they're all marching across the field towards each other, kind of uh, in a big crowd. And then when the camera pulls back, you see that they are forming the shape of a big, of a Carlton beer beer glass. <laughs> At this point, it's like thousands of Thousands of people. Of people they're falling over a... Uh, a uh, barbed wire fence. <laughs> and then you realize that the beer, the people who are dressed in the beer colors are running towards the people who are dressed in the colors of the person and they're running down uh, a channel that's been created to make it look like beer is filling up the man's stomach. I'm not, I don't even know if like what I just described <laughs> is clear to you, but it is a, it is on a massive scale. Um, this wonderful ad of like showing Showing the beer as a bunch of people in choir robes. So imagine the magic that marching bands do, yes, right? And, right, and where like they that. they create they create scenarios like that. Only this, and I'm assuming that I, I maybe I shouldn't assume this, but I assume that there was some um, uh, computer that, animation going on there because at the end it looks like ten, I mean it looks like thousands and thousands of people. I can't imagine what it would have cost to do this with actual people. Right. I, as much as I always accuse you of being. Um, too conspiracy minded and not having enough faith in you know I don't think there's they're not trying to tell us that this was there's something that says at the bottom like these were all real people it's just for the funny it's just for the funny I think it's very plausible I think it seems much more likely to me just from a cost management standpoint that they did some CGI right. okay uh, what else we got um, this is uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that um, Harlan Sanders is the gift that keeps on giving listener Christopher sent no, in you're just calling him Harlan Colonel Sanders to me Colonel still. please. <laughs> Um, I, he didn't. He didn't get that award from Kentucky for nothing. Um, this is from listener Christopher uh, Harlan Sanders, the original Colonel. In addition to turning himself into an advertising icon, also used exploitation drive-in movies as a vehicle for advertising his restaurant. Uh, he has cameos in both 1967's Blast Off Girls and 1970's Hell's Bloody Devils. Um, and we'll post the clips to those. What? Yeah, he was the guy. Who apparently, and you would think like for a guy who was so uh, sort of a moral uh finger wagger and and mr you know right. temperance advocate that he would be uh he would be opposed to that but i guess that uh he had to sell that chicken wow but not worth playing the video here and that let's could, uh... let's move on because i know okay. we're running really long but i'll post them to the facebook okay page. great um, and then finally, uh, from listener Blake, uh, who who wrote in to say that meth commercial we played, remember the it had like the really the really like chipper jingle about the girl who's on meth. Uh, this one. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, meth, mm, meth. I don't sleep. Good lord, this commercial is a game changer for me. Anyway, what did Blake say about it? So Blake wrote in um, that meth commercial made me smile like a kid on the first day of parentheses meth school because i hadn't heard it in years i grew up in wyoming and that ad campaign was on all the time i found myself walking through my junior high and high school humming "Ooh, meth which i agree is like it is infectious 
Um, but he goes on, I suppose the ad worked because I have yet to try any meth. Because <laughs> you don't know where to find it. <laughs> I uh, think in Wyoming it's not that hard. That does kind of hit on what I was saying before. I, I wonder if the reason I'd never seen that before is because I never really lived in a real meth-heavy state. And clearly there are some states where yeah, it, you know they, they struggle with it a lot more. All right. Oh, man, what a show. I really don't even want to end the show there. I still, we have so many battles we have to get to, but that's good. You always leave more on the plate, right? For now, <laughs> we got to get out of here. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. All right. Thanks, everybody, for indulging us with that. Thank you, Genevieve, for all of that research. Um, let's see here. If people want to uh, leave us voicemails, the number is 607-444-5597. Again, that's 607-444-5597. We'd love to hear your beautiful voices. We would love to hear your beautiful voices, and we would love to get your beautiful emails at After These Messages Show at Gmail. We are, of course, on Facebook at After These Messages Show. Um, you can go to the Facebook page to see links to all of the ads uh, that we talk about. And uh, usually if we talk about any articles, we'll post them there as well. Um, and other than that, we'll talk to you next week. Also, did you want to plug uh, your other little podcast? Suddenly you are just a oh, podcast right. superstar, aren't you? If you're not already a listener of the excellent podcast, Grapes of Rad, I will be on uh, the next episode. So um, listen in if you want to hear me talk with uh, the Grapes of Rad guys. All right. And for us, we will do this again next Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. Oh, dip. is he's once again back again with the caravan of Manchester from Pakistan. Karachi, Posse, Zaki's poppy. Uh, Red Octagons couldn't stop me.